0: I am usually, probably three or four weeks a month, I'm usually the person up here uh, speaking and bringing the the message. Today, I'm excited that I'm not. Um, uh, I'd like to invite up Corey to come and bring the word of the Lord. Yes, so for those of you guys who don't know this guy, um, the first word that always comes to my mind when I think about Corey is faithful, right, like people that know, yeah, Lauren knows him extremely well, Christina and James, faithful, right, yes, this guy is utterly faithful and what I mean by faithful is he's one of those people that if you entrust him with something, you can kind of turn and walk away to some extent knowing that it is in amazing hands, not just responsibility-wise, but capability-wise. And we've seen it play out over the years. Um, Most probably notably, he did three years leading our college ministry. (laughs) And so there's many people out here uh, that have been influenced by his ministry directly. And then pretty much every Sunday, we're all blessed by his ministry because he's the one who makes sure that our sound is impeccable every week. Yes. And uh, and so what? We make this work. No. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be amplified without this guy. Um, but uh, man, I'm so excited that you're up here. Can I pray? Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for Corey. We thank you that for the gift of God that he is to us. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear the treasure that you've put inside of him that now he gets to share with us. And so God, I pray, God, that as we Uh, listen to him. God, I pray that there'd be great honor. I pray that there'd be great um, anticipation of the way that your spirit flows through him and blesses this community. God, I pray that it is up here that you'd give him joy and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All you, brother.
1: Now, I get to use this mic and figure out, like, what is awkward about this thing every single week. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you for the crazy welcome. Um, yeah, like, like they said, my name's Corey. Um, I've been here for six and a half years now, um, and the past three years, I was leading the college ministry with Christina Lee and Lauren Cabrera over there, um, so super fun times. Now I'm with the sound team. Um, I mean, I've always been with the sound team. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a consistent factor. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited to be with you guys here today. I feel like um, the thing that I want to share today is kind of um, a word and kind of a theme that I feel like the Lord has been kind of unwrapping layers of, in my life, over the past year and a half or so. I feel like this is kind of a theme and a topic that he comes back to every once in a while. And I'm like, okay, like, Lord, we're still in this season, so I guess if I'm going to come up and share on a Sunday, it's still going to be on this general topic. But um, I'm really excited because I feel like there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, So yeah, so uh, the passage today is going to be Matthew 26, Jesus prays in uh, Gethsemane. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to do it three weeks in a row. <laughs> if you want to do it three weeks in a row next week, go for it. Um, but yeah, the, the passage where we're going to be spending probably most of our time today is um, John 21. Um, and that's the last chapter in J- the Gospel of John where um, this is after Jesus' crucifixion, after his resurrection, he comes back and this is the chapter where he has a very... Uh, specific and intentional conversation with Peter. Um, And I think that this chapter is great for understanding our walks and how Jesus views us in our lives because, honestly, we can basically self-insert ourselves into Peter's shoes where he has walked with... uh, A lot of names. Peter has walked with Jesus... All these years, he at first knew almost nothing about Jesus. Right? Jesus goes to the Sea of Galilee, calls Peter out. He says, "Follow me," and um, that at, at that point in time, Peter just thinks that Jesus is a rabbi; he's just a teacher. But over the course of the years that they spend together, Peter starts to see Jesus's teachings. He starts to see Jesus's character. He starts to see Jesus's power. He sees Jesus heal people and. Over the course of those years, and we've been going through Matthew for the past forever, um, so we also know that he has kind of grown as a person, right, with Jesus, in his walk with Jesus. We see that um, there was, you know, a moment where the, the disciples are on the sea together, and there's all this crazy stuff happening, and Jesus walks by on the water. And in that moment, somehow Peter has been with Jesus long enough where he knows Okay, in this moment, I can actually ask the Lord to have me also come out there, and we see that, like, as the gospels go on, like Peter's faith and his understanding of Jesus is actually growing. It's increasing. It's getting somewhere, right? And um, one of one of um, the really poignant moments is in Matthew 16, where uh, Peter, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he asks them who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say say that I am? And Simon Peter replies, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Basically, that's amazing. My father has given you this revelation. And so we see that Peter, throughout all this time, throughout the years of spending time with Jesus, he's growing in his understanding. He starts to see Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, and he starts to see the importance and the worth of who Jesus is. Yeah. And I think uh, in we, we just passed this part in Matthew for ourselves, too, so it's kind of nice, because the culmination of Almost like the, 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 the spiritual high of this journey with Jesus actually happens for him in Matthew 26, where um, Jesus starts talking about how he's going to be crucified soon, right? And um, the, in Matthew 26, Jesus says, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, though these disciples, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, in this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, nah, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the other disciples said the same. And I know, I think it's easy to look at this passage and see... It, it almost feels kind of silly because Peter's saying this stuff and Jesus is saying like, no, you're like obviously going to deny me, right? And I think when a lot of the time when we look at this passage, it's very easy to kind of uh, look down on Peter almost. But I feel like in this portion of where Peter has walked with Jesus, Peter has seen Jesus, I don't think this is a fake declaration of where he yeah. is in his heart. I think that when Peter, when, when Peter has spent all this time with Jesus and he sees like Jesus' is worth, it's not a, a, a fake declaration of his heart. I think what he really wants at the bottom of his being is that he wants to be able to say like, Lord, I'm going to give it all for you. I'm going to like lay my life down for you. And I think that's where a lot of us at some point of our in our lives have also found ourselves Right Where we say, okay, wait. Actually, I'm, I've learned a lot about Jesus. I've encountered him in the secret place. And now, I don't think there's anything else that is satisfying for this life. I don't think there's anything else that's actually worthy of living for, except for Jesus. Yeah. Now, of course, the problem, as we all know, is that um, after this, uh, Jesus is arrested. He's... Um, beaten, humiliated, and the disciples, including Peter, all become fearful. They become fearful, they see what's going on, and their faith starts to wane, and they scatter, and Jesus goes towards the cross. And we know that in, in in that time, you know, we get very in-depth accounts of how, you know, people go to Peter, and they go, hey, aren't you the one that followed Jesus all this time? And he's like, no, that's not me, that's not me. And he begins to not be able to measure up to where he thought he was. You know, where he, he, he thought that his faith was at a certain level. He thought he had a certain amount of love for Jesus, but actually when it came down to it, when he was faced with a situation, he completely and utterly failed, and he couldn't say anything otherwise. You know, it was it, it, it's a situation that feels unredeemable almost. But we also know that Jesus... Resurrects and he comes back to the disciples, and that is kind of the lead-in to where we are now in um, John 21. And so, in John 21, Jesus has um, Jesus has already appeared to the disciples twice, and in this scene, he's going. He uh, shows himself on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples all see him. He invites them over, and it's time for some breakfast. And then he's also going to say. Um, some words to Peter. He's going to address the issue of his heart and he's going to tackle the thing that's been on Peter's heart for the past week or so after seeing his Savior get crucified. So, John 21 15. <clears throat> when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" And he said to him, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." He said to him, "Feed my lambs." Now, in um, in in this passage, there are actually there are actually two words in the Greek for um, the word love, and Ryan mentioned one of them last week. One of them is agape. Agape love is kind of this love that chooses, that sacrifices, that is unconditional. And there's almost like a divine element to this love where it's wholehearted love. And there's also another word in the Greek called phileo love, which is more brotherly love. It's still love, but it's more brotherly love. It's kind of this deep affectionate love for a brother or a friend and so I think um, when, we, when we read this passage and we kind of sub in the original words, we're able to kind of unravel another layer of um, what's going on between this interaction between Jesus and Peter. So I'm going to read through it, but um, kind of sub in those words. So it goes, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape unconditionally love me more than these? And Simon replies, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I brotherly love you. I, I have a deep affection for you. And Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. And I think, and, and, and in uh, verse 16, it also goes, he said to him a second time, Simon, Simon of John, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Oh, sorry, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And so two times now, two times now, Jesus has asked Peter, do you agape me? I remember those moments on that day where you said you would give it all for me, right? Like, do you unconditionally love me? Are you somebody who is actually um, at that place? And Peter looks at his life, he looks at the state of his heart, he looks at, at even the hard evidence of his actions, right? And when he sees it all, when it's all laid bare in front of him, all he can say is, no, I, I phileo love you. I, only, I can only say that my love for you is a phileo affectionate love. I, I can't bring myself to the, to the place of truthfully saying that I agape love you, Jesus. And then the third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Do you brotherly love me, affectionately love me? And Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep I think when we break down this third interaction, right, where Jesus changes his wording, he goes to the word phileo, I think we have to realize that if we're Peter, if we're in that place where we're face to face with our failure, and then Jesus kind of downgrades the the word on the third time, he says, do you just phileo love me? That's, you can say right here, like, it grieves Peter. It cuts him to the heart because he feels like Jesus has to downgrade the love when he's making this call, right? And you can almost feel as if, because because Peter's grieved in this a moment, you can almost feel that he's also bracing for impact in terms of what Jesus is gonna say for the call. The first two times he said, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Like, if it's only phileo love, then, like, what's Jesus gonna say? But... The amazing thing is that in that moment, Jesus actually doesn't downgrade the call. Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Jesus gives him the exact same call. It's not his phileo love that that downgraded some kind of expectation or hope or... or, Satisfaction that Jesus had in Peter. Like, when Peter's love is still a phileo, weak love, and when he's in the depths of being face-to-face with his own inadequacy, like, Jesus is not somebody who... Okay, sorry. It's, it's in the place of where Jesus says, feed my sheep, that you can almost hear him also going, yes, I know that you have just a phileo love but this phileo love does not disqualify you and you are still the one that I choose and you are still the one that I am calling and that I'm trusting to build my ministry and so the phileo love is not the love that takes us out of the game like Jesus has much more planned for us than what we think our phileo love disqualifies us from Um, I'm like smiling up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember um, when I was kind of a new Christian, you know, baby Christian, still trying to figure everything out, right? And I remember um, I was in another church, not the Ark, um, where... <laughs> no, no, I mean, it has, it has nothing. <laughs> another great church. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but it was, it was more on my side. I, I was trying to figure out this Christian walk. I, um, had, I, I saw people around me who seemed so sold out for God, right? I, I saw people who would pray like an hour or two every single day. They would serve out the wazoo, like joyfully. And, and they, were, um, they, were, they were, you know, reading the Bible and getting just a ton of, ton of good stuff. They're like, oh, I got to change this, this, and this in my life. You know, and I was seeing all these things, and for me, You know, at this point, I'd been Christian for maybe two years or something, and there was a part of me where when I saw all these people around me kind of living in this way, at least from the outside, there was a big question in my head of what's wrong with me, right? Like, what's going on in my walk where reading the Bible feels like dry bones? And I definitely don't serve with joy. I'm kind of doing it just because everyone else is doing it. And I feel like, you know... Feel like a useless lump if I weren't, um, <laughs> and it was it was kind of the thing that was in the back of my head all the time, all the time. And I remember um, this was uh, at a point like we we had just moved into a new apartment. And um, we had this walk-in closet in the apartment. And so me being a semi-new Christian, I was like, okay, well, I mean, everyone talks about how you've got to go into the prayer closet and pray, right? So, uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll use this closet. There's a light in there so you can, like, see, you can still read and, and, and do whatnot. So I'm, like, in, in the closet um, praying to God. And really, really, the thought is just, Lord, like, I'm, I'm so sorry that I, 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 I don't love you the way that all these other people do, I like can't bring myself to enjoy these things um, that seem to make up the Christian life, and just over and over, kind of like beating myself up, wondering like what was going on in me and I'll say this is also kind of the first time where I felt like the Holy Spirit actually um like you know impressed something on me, but I felt like in that moment the Lord actually said, Corey. It's okay. We're good. And it's like when the Holy Spirit talks to you, it's not just like this, right? It's kind of like the, the, the word good had, had layers to it, you know, where, where the word good was not just like, oh, you don't have to do anything ever, and, and then, like, you're good. But it, it, was, it was this kind of, like, deeper reminder and deeper... Um, unraveling that the Lord was doing, where he was reminding me that my worth and my um, the way that he views me is completely encapsulated within the cross. It's completely encapsulated within the fact that he has already died for me, and my, I don't need to find my worth in all these other things, which are great, but like, I was trying to find my confidence. Like, I could not boldly approach the throne because... I saw all the deficiencies in my own life. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here, where he sees us when we have the weakest love, he sees us when we're unable to pray you know, unable to hear him, like, hesitating to pray. We're losing fire in our hearts. Maybe we're at a place where we used to be at a super, you know, crazy spiritual high, and these days we look at our lives and it's like, what am I doing compared to my former glory? Or maybe we're at the beginning where we see the glorious, you know, Christian walks in other people, and it's like, oh my God, I definitely don't measure up to, like, this person's walk, you know? And I I think um, what we see here is that Jesus does not show disdain for Peter's weak love. He, he sees the love that does not measure up and he calls him back into the exact same thing. Now, I think just being called back into the exact same thing does bring a lot of reassurance. Um, And if you imagine that you're Peter, I think being called into the same thing already heals your heart a whole ton. But you also have to imagine that when Peter's in that moment where he's already failed Jesus once, there must be tons of doubt running through the back of his mind where he sees you know, this, this passion that he used to have for Jesus, and he sees his failure, and then when he sees the same call, he, he must be hesitating. It's like, how can I possibly go back into this thing? How can I be assured that I'll be able to say, yes, Jesus, I will feed your sheep, and I will follow through on this thing? And I think that's where the next passage comes in. Um, What's interesting is that Jesus actually doesn't even wait for Peter's uh, response. He just says, feed my sheep. And he immediately goes into, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. I think... I think how I've always traditionally read this passage is that it's always been just a focus on, like, Peter, watch out. This call that I'm calling you into is going to cost you everything. right? It's going to cost you everything. You need to count the cost before you say, yes, follow me. And I think there is a big element of that in this passage. But what I also think is that if we remember the context of this, it's in the context of Peter declaring his love for Jesus in the past. And so what I think Jesus is actually doing here, when he talks about Peter, you're going to be crucified. Well, first of all, I think Peter already has that kind of image of Jesus being crucified ingrained in his head, you know. And so when Jesus says this in kind of a roundabout way, either Peter knows, it, knows about it like right then and there, or he realizes it a little bit down the line. But I think what Jesus is doing in this moment is that he's actually pulling Peter's eyes towards the future. He's not letting Peter stay in this current place that he's in. He's actually pulling Peter's gaze towards the, the future steps in his story with Christ. Where, where Peter's walk, Peter's devotion to Christ does not end at his denials, but his, his walk actually goes all the way until he dies, until he dies a glorious death for Christ. Uh, we know that like in church tradition they say that Peter also got crucified, right? So like, C- Peter, through the course of his life, even though this is kind of the, the, the depths, the pits of where he is right now, that's not the end. That's, he still has so much more life to live. And Jesus, I believe, is also saying in here that he is going to be the great shepherd of Peter's soul. Like He says to Peter, follow me. Follow me. And this thing that you've been holding to in your heart, this desire to give your whole life to, you know, th- this whole life to me, It's done in the context of follow me. I'm going to be the one to shepherd you into that place of wholehearted abandon for me. And I think this truth is kind of one of the major things that I feel like the Lord has been teaching me over the past who knows, year and a half, three years, maybe all of college ministry. Um, (laughs) But it, it really is this idea that Jesus is the shepherd of our hearts, but it's not, there, there is a goal. The goal is that we fall deeper in love with him and we give him more of our lives each and every time. Um, and also that Jesus is faithful to be the shepherd. Like he's, he's, he's the one that actually wants to do this. Um, I, I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys know, but I have um, a little brother uh, at home and he's <laughs> he's like 13 right now um, if you want pictures of him I can like show you on my phone later he's super cute he's just starting 8th grade um, who knows how, long, how much longer he's going to be cute for uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I remember back when he was kind of 2 or 3 years old I was trying to teach him how to read and this was <laughs> this was not a glory moment for me okay because at this at this point in time my my brother had already known how to like um, sound out individual letters right like t t o a you know and, and we were reading this book together kind of not dr seuss but something similar to you know hop on pop something like that where you can kind of swap out the consonants on the beginning of words you know and and as i was as i was teaching my brother i was like Okay, good. Uh, you just gotta, you know, how to sound things out. So now you just gotta, now you just gotta link it together. You know, just link it together. <laughs> all, right, all right, what's this letter? T. t. I'm like, wait, great. O. Ah. Uh, P. Pu. I'm like, great. What does that, you know, link together as? He's like, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. It, It's It's t apa to top top top. Okay, great. <laughs> so you get it, right? He's like, yeah, top. <laughs> Um, And we go on to the next word, pop, you know? Puh, ah, puh. And we go through this process again. And we probably went through 10, 15 words. Like, they all end in OP. They always just, like, swap out. You just swap out the first consonant. And if I'm honest, like, in that moment, I was getting really frustrated. (laughs) Like, I definitely could not hold back, like, my annoyance at my brother. And in the back of my head, I was like, dude, it's just pattern recognition. Like, how can you... How, how can you keep messing this thing up? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a reflection of like you know, how you view yourself, etc. Um, <laughs> no, but um, but the thing is, you know, maybe I gave up that day because nothing was happening. But I mean, the next day, I still went back and taught, tried to teach my brother how to read. You know, it's not like he didn't get it once and then boom, I just give up. I, I know that in his future, he's going to eventually learn to read someday. He's, he's going to take that reading and put it into his studies and he's going to go to high school and do all these great things. And it's not that I see just the, the individual interaction that's like kind of annoying that we're having interaction in my fleshly state. Um... <laughs> But, like, there's a greater story that's being developed, right? There's, there's so much more potential in him that doesn't just rest on that one moment. And I believe that that's what Jesus is highlighting right here. Yeah, like, when, Jesus, when Peter comes face to face with his own failure, but then he also comes face to face with his Savior, he has to swap one for the other, where he sees that his savior has this unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, and his savior is also giving him assurance that when he takes a step towards Jesus, like he's actually taking a step towards that future where his life is set apart for him and his, his whole life is blazing white worship for his king. Now, I think one other thing that um, kind of hinders this um, walk towards the Lord that I feel like the Lord has really kind of um, highlighted and unwrapped for me is that a lot of the time, our hearts are just hard. Our hearts are just hard. And there is... Like what? What what does that mean? Right? It's kind of there's a a, a sense of hopelessness in our hearts that oh, if I read the Bible, I've already read it every single day this month, and I feel like it's been dry bones. Or um, I don't know if I could really get to that level where I'm I'm giving it all for Jesus, and I don't know if this is something that'll happen in my life. I think hard heartedness is also something. it's almost similar to having a weak love, but yeah, there's a layer of disbelief in there, right? I feel like, um... all right, this is another not so good sharing about me, but um, one, one, arena where i feel like sometimes i have hard-heartedness is um when i hear a new speaker for the first time (laughs) aka me up here Um, (laughs) maybe a new speaker up here or like on a podcast or you know somebody sends me a youtube clip like honestly i almost a lot of the time i kind of go into it with a hard heart where um my, my 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 posture is almost okay speaker like, prove, prove yourself to me. Are you actually legit? Like, is your theology actually on point? And like, you know, what, what, what's going on here, right? Can I actually receive from you? And it's like <laughs> something that I ha- I've had to work through because what, what that place of hard-hearted, hard-heartedness, hard-heartedness does is that it kind of shuts down the ability to receive, the ability to walk closer to Jesus. When I when I harden my heart towards a person, I'm also hardening my heart towards like the the words that the Lord is trying to speak out of that person. And it's not just for speakers; it's also just for any situation in life. You know, I think um, I remember in, in in college, kind of there was almost this underlying sense, you know, like people make a lot of jokes about like how college is hard and, and there's kind of like this underlying sense almost of like hopelessness in college where it's like, oh you'll get through Berkeley, but like by the time you're a senior you're gonna be like halfway dead into the grave. Like and hopefully you'll pick yourself back up after that. It's kind of there's there's this sense that like it's not gonna be great. And I think the, the, the key to being able to recognize Jesus' um, promise here where he, where he declares that he's the shepherd is to also meditate on the other promises that God gives us in his word. I feel like um, the promises in the word are, are a place where I personally have not spent enough time and, and, and enough time to get it actually into the depths of my soul and really believe them for what they say on the page because some of this stuff is amazingly glorious, and I think it highlights to us where like how god 's interaction with us works in our lives in our walks so ezekiel thirty six is uh, has one of my favorite passages um, of like this past year. And in it, in um, verse 24, I'm gonna start there, it says, I will take you from the nations, oh, sorry, actually, I wanna tee it up a little bit because um, if we remember, he's, he's talking about Israel here in this passage, and if we remember in the Old Testament, basically, the nation of Israel, like the Lord saves them from Exodus, and they are, And and he's telling them that I'm your God, love me, love me. And basically the nation of Israel is always turning away from him, right? Like they're always falling short of the call that uh, the Lord has for them. And basically they have a weak love that has very little to show for it. But in that moment, in response to this heart posture of Israel, the Lord comes in and he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land I mean, this, this is an amazing promise of God. This is a promise of God that we get to base our entire lives on. When, when, we're, when we're living this life of, of, of walking towards God, where we're going to fail, we're going to have times where our, our fire grows weak, we're going to have moments where we see past glories and, and it, it feels like our hearts are so hardened in this present moment, this is, this is the promise of the new covenant that the Lord declares over his people. He promises us that he is the one that removes our heart of stone. He is the one that gives us a heart of flesh, a, fle- a heart that is soft, that is, that is open to his word, a heart that is open to the things that he wants us to do. And he puts our spirit, his spirit inside us and causes us to walk that walk, Towards him to obey his rules to love him wholeheartedly, like this this walk that we have of knowing Jesus of of devoting our entire lives to him. It's not a walk where we come in and and, and, and try to just white knuckle our way into loving Jesus more. Like every single day, I'm going to pray for this amount of time, and like hopefully then I'll look good or not even look good really. Like hopefully by then, like I'll I'll love him a certain amount, but. I think it's a thing where we need to reorient where is the source of this transformation. The source of this transformation is not from the things that we do actually. Though they help, though being you know, diligent in prayer and reading and everything helps, Like the ultimate source of our faith cannot be in the things that we're doing. Like loving Jesus wholeheartedly is way too hard if we're the ones who need to be mustering up the energy and the discipline to be doing this thing. The actual source, it says in this word, is that it's from God. It's from God. Jesus becomes the shepherd of our souls to follow him. The Lord comes in, softens our hearts so that we walk with him. And actually, in Ezekiel 22, he says that he does these things for his holy name. He he, he says he does it for his glory. And what I love about the fact that he says he does it for his namesake is it's almost better for me that he doesn't say that he does it for his love of me. Because I don't always feel lovable. I don't always feel like there's, you know, the the, the sun is shining on me, God's favor is on me. But when, when the promise is rested on His own desire to glorify Himself and His name, that's an unshakable promise. That's an unshakable promise. And we need, I think, to get this thing deep, deep, deep into our hearts where we come, when we live this long, long, long life of following Jesus, we come to the realization that it's not a life of just kind of forcing ourselves to do each and everything that's expected of us, but it's a life of transformation done by God himself that we just need to step into. And so there's a hope When we read the Bible, and it hasn't been life-giving for a month, two months, three months, there's a hope that the Lord is working in the background, that he is changing our hearts from a hard heart into a soft heart, because he's doing it for his name. This is the thing that pleases him. He does not go back on his name. And yeah, I think this is just one of those truths that take time. It, it takes a lot of time to kind of meditate on the word, to try and ask God how he sees us, to see what is it that he's trying to tell us in these moments. And it takes time, but I think it's something that though it doesn't come for free it is absolutely essential to our walk with God. I don't want to see a church full of people who who you know go really hard after God and then burn out after 10 years. It's it's about like cultivating something that has a real source of life and not something that will, you know, is just ourselves kind of doing our own thing. I think um, <laughs> so I, I I went I went karaokeing the other night um, <laughs> with some friends. And I, I think, um, I don't know if you guys have been karaokeing, or maybe you can, like, sub in uh, the uh, Sunday worship service because, you know, we have some crazy worship leaders. Um, <laughs> and, and I think when, when you're in that zone, you're doing karaoke for a couple hours or worship for a couple hours, sometimes, you know, they're, they're singing some stuff, and you just want to, like, hit that note that they're singing, right? Like, it might be some Maroon 5 song, and you're like, sugar! Like, like you're, just, you're just reaching for that thing, Right? <laughs> And, and after, after like two, three hours of doing this karaoke sesh, the next morning you wake up and you realize that, oh, oh my goodness, like I actually can't talk right now. Um, your voice is shot, you're completely done. You might have hit that note when you're doing the karaoke, but you're kind of destroyed the next day and you're kind of like out of commission for this next day, right? And I, I, I think, and it's one of those things where if you knew uh, maybe good vocal technique, you know, maybe get some lessons from people like, oh, how do I support my voice? Or actually, I don't know that much about singing. But um, <laughs> like, you know, oh, what's, what's, what's good technique, right? How do, I, how do I sing well without destroying myself? Um, I think, I think that's, that's kind of what's happening there, right? Where you're, you're building the foundations. You're building... 're you're, you're, you're making sure that any of the cracks in the walls are being sealed up so that it can be built higher and 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 it's this thing where yeah i I think the most important thing we can do in the Lord is ensuring that our foundations and that our heart posture towards him is always in the right place because we' we're, we're people who tend to drift you know Jesus says that like You know, there was that scene in the Gospels where he looks on the crowds and they're scattered, and it says that he looked on them with compassion, right? Like he's the shepherd who looks on his scattered sheep with compassion. And we're, in a lot of ways, just sheep who are really prone to to, to scattering around and and not fixating on what's what and, and, and not having our hope in the one who can achieve that hope. And so I think right now for us, um, the call for us in here today is to figure out what that follow me step looks like for ourselves. I think the, the thing that we're supposed to do here today is kind of with the Holy Spirit ask him Where are the places in which I've been looking at my life, at my walk towards you, God, and I've deemed it weak? I've deemed it hopeless, even? And Lord, what are you speaking to those areas? Where are the places in my heart where I find it hard, yeah, I find my heart hard, and I find it's difficult to believe in his promises and his word. Like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in those areas? And then I think that that's that's kind of the progression, you know, that we see that Jesus takes Peter through, where he takes him from a place of, you have weak love. That's okay, the call is the same. I'm going to be your shepherd, put your hope in me. And I think this is the process that the Lord wants to take us through here today to kind of reorient ourselves around him. When, when the deepest desire of our heart is to give our lives to him, he, he loves that. He takes that. And he assures that as well. He is the one who honors that step we take when he says, follow me. And so... If you want
2: to... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Corey. That was amazing. Um, I'm going to follow up a little bit um, with some of the stuff that the Lord was sharing with me as I was listening to you. Um, It's kind of funny. I think in this last season, the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about Peter as well. And um, that moment of grief has been really hard for me personally to overcome. That moment where Peter realizes that he denied Jesus. And I think it's one of the things that the Lord showed me is he picked Peter on purpose. He could have picked John, the disciple, that knew he was or thought he was the favorite, right? Self-proclaimed favorite of Christ, laid his head on the bosom. He could have picked that guy to build the church on. But no, Jesus actually purposefully picked Peter, and I really feel like that was super intentional, you know. I think if he would have picked John, I think all of us would have aspired to just be that person who had no flaws, who I think um, thought, just like Peter was before his denial, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to sell whatever. God, the moment that matters to Jesus is that moment where he's like, I just want to get every single believer to that place where they're just fully surrendered and they're saying that they'll do anything. But how many of us have had that moment where we've declared that and then all of a sudden the next thing, something happens and we do something and we're ashamed. Or we do something and we've said something or thought something and committed something to the Lord where we're like, shoot, how can I even tell someone that I'm a Christian? How can I even say that I love God? Do I even love God? And if I say that I love God, can I even say that I'm a believer? And if other people knew this, how could anyone follow Jesus? Oh my gosh. And sometimes we feel that we need that from other people. I don't know if I can even go to church anymore if everybody's like that. Well, good news. We're a bunch of Peters, we're not all John the, the Beloved. <laughs> I think that it's completely on purpose. It's not good news until we realize that we're all Peter. And I feel like Corey's word about hard-heartedness is so crucial in this hour, I think. The thing that, God wants from all of us more than anything else is for us to be able to be moved by him. But so many people will walk and see Jesus face to face. The Pharisees. So many people, right? Just a bystander. How many people probably saw Jesus? Probably heard his voice? How many times can we actually walk into a building like this or have a friend tell us about the goodness of Christ and be unaffected. And then we go, some of us, right, we get to go to a mission field. I remember I went to India. And someone will tell somebody, that person, about Jesus. And they will, and I've seen them, they, it's like a fresh drink of water. And all of a sudden, even though the child had been raped or taken away from their parents, they're like completely changed. But then us here who live in this country, inundated constantly, we hear the word of the Lord, the name of Jesus taken in vain all the time. We see people who proclaim that they're Christians all the time, and we become numb. It's because our hearts have become hard. And when our hearts become hard, God can't affect us. And when God can't affect us, we, are, we remain unchanged. And I think another word for hard-heartedness is pride. I think a lot of times we try to cloak it in something pretty and just say, oh, you know, I'm just not in the mood for Jesus right now, or I just don't want to listen to worship song right now, or I'm just going to figure this out my way, or Whatever. Right, But really, when it comes down to it, it's pride. It's, I don't need God right now. I don't think he can do something about this. And I really feel like in order for us to get to that point where we're like Peter, where he's like, oh my gosh, even when God is saying I love you no matter what, but I'm still gonna call you to the greatest thing, and I'm gonna build my church. I have a call for your life, and I want to change your heart. For that to affect us, our heart has to be soft. And so I think for all of us today, if God has been speaking but you can't feel it, I'd love to challenge you to today ask Him to soften your heart, because it has to begin there. And. For any of us who don't feel that we can relate to Peter, I'd love to invite you to be able to have that type of revelation today, where you can go from the moment, a place where you kind of don't even know and don't even understand where your heart is, to a place where you'd be willing and even be able to say, man, I will, I'm going to die like Jesus did, and in fact, that's so crazy that I don't even feel like I'm worthy of dying the way Jesus died because I get it. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, the cry of my heart has been that my heart would be soft. I'm tired of my heart being hard. I'm tired of words coming at me and them having no impact. And I really feel like if that's what you want. If you want something real, if you want to really encounter him in that deep way where he really is your God and where your heart is soft and change is starting to happen, plead, ask him to soften your heart. And so I'd love to invite Ening up um, and the worship team and whoever else um, for the people who are going to be praying over here for all of us to just stand and um, just to do our business with the Lord. For those of you guys who have a response, I'd love you to put your hand on your heart right now. And just whatever parts of this prayer resound with you, just agree with it or pray your own. Jesus, for some of us, Lord, we need to remember, we need to be at a place where we recognize the good news is good news again. That we actually are Peter that we actually don't love you as much as we think. We may mean well, but we actually don't. We are shocked at our own weaknesses, and we're shocked that there are weaknesses in other people. For those of us, Lord God, I pray that you would tell us that you love us. That before we can receive the good news as good news, we need to... Recognize that we need you. And then for some of us who know that we need you, help us receive what you have to give. Help us get over ourselves and how impressed we are by our own ability to keep you out. Jesus, you are greater and bigger than our ability to keep you out. Father God, if there's hardness of heart or pride in us today, we repent. We ask you, Father God, that you would soften us. Soften us, Father God, we declare that we need you. Our hearts, as humanity, are prone towards hardness. And we need you, only you are able to keep our hearts soft. Lord God, it's not a one moment of softening. It is constant softening for you to turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, God. And in that place of openness and softness, come, Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Change us. Be our God. Reveal to us that we need you. And when we know that we need you, show us that you're there. Thank you, God. I pray that you'd reveal to us as a people, as a world, as a culture, as a society, that we need you, God. We repent for the ways that we've turned away and have diminished your name and our need for you, Christ. We need you in our city. We need you in our nation. We need you in our world, God. Forgive us, Lord God, for turning our backs on you and our need for you, God. Nothing good can happen apart from you, oh God. Bring us back to that place where we need you and we recognize that apart from you there is no good thing. Thank you, God you want to respond, come, and there are people who will pray for you. You can pray at the altar as well if you want.